Dr. Trish Rampersad. I'm the core behavioral psychologist. And today I have for you another Bieber, Rachel Bieber. <laughs> Hello, Rachel. everyone. Yes, Rachel Bieber. Um, she is the CEO and founder of Food and Courage, which is just an awesome um, company where she also gives a portion of her proceeds to sex trafficking to find sex traffickers and helping bring women and men and children home which is just amazing she's had 15 years of culinary experience she's been an entrepreneur and um, a founder and doing funding and sales since she was uh, like six years old and she won a ton of awards for it she worked in um, as a michelin with the michelin chef or as a michelin chef she worked in Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area, even worked it with the New York Times, Bobby, Bobby Flay, um, a bunch of other names. She is um, also working with Fox News. She's going to be appearing with them as well. Yeah. Just really, really proud of her. Oh, so what intro. <laughs> that was so generous, Trisha. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I love hyping. My oh. I love it. So me and Rachel, we met in uh, San Francisco, interestingly enough. Why don't you tell everyone um, where you were born and raised and just tell us about like how you grew up and stuff like that, if you don't mind? Yeah. And thank you for coming on, Rachel, by the way. I really appreciate oh it. Oh, my God. Yeah. First of all, just thank you so much for having me on your show. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're amazing, too. <laughs> after all this time, we both ended up back on the East Coast. and got to Oh, yes. Yes, we, we did. Yeah, it's so, city in the world. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> um, I'm originally from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, so I'm very much so an East Coaster. Um, but Trisha and I met in San Francisco. I moved to San Francisco when I was about 21, as I was in the midst of pursuing more and more excellent restaurants in the United States. So the move from Lancaster to San Francisco is really doing something for me. <laughs> um, and that's, yeah, that's where we yeah. met each other. But I grew up in a... Um, a smaller, very Amish oriented uh, town, just so beautiful, so wholesome, really, honestly, like the greatest childhood I could have possibly asked for. My parents are incredible. So I still like love going back to Lancaster. And now that I live in New York City, it's only a three hour train ride away. So I like amazing. Shout out to Amtrak. They're great. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Amtrak. Yes. Yes, Pennsylvania has some really nice, nice uh, country living too. I, I love it. I love it. I love um, you know, what was school like for you growing up? Because you were a, an entrepreneur for so long. And at six years old, you were already doing fundraisers and raisers and stuff. What was that like for you growing up in school? And yeah. Like school? yeah. Um, so when I was that young fundraising, I was, you know, fundraising for my local soccer team. But my parents taught me at a very young age, like, okay, you have to fundraise. So they would take me and I would go with them, obviously. And I would go through the neighborhoods and I would knock on every single person's door and I would try to sell them, you know, my chocolate bars and my wrapping paper or whatever. And like that continued like all the way up through probably like middle school. But by the time I was in middle school, I was out there on my own. 
And I'm like, I, I don't even know what I was fundraising for. You know, truthfully, I don't really think I cared. I just, yeah. as a young kid, I loved to sell. I loved knocking on strangers' doors and yeah. just seeing if I could sell them what I had in my hands. Um, and I think I was also very motivated by the prizes. I think eventually I got a prize. The top tier prize was like a limousine ride to Friendly's. That's awesome. It's like an East ice cream chain. That's <laughs> I was, so awesome. I was like 12 <laughs> years old rocking up in this limo to Friendly's. Just That's like, amazing. I fundraised my way here. <laughs> that is so cool. That is so cool. That's awesome. It's That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I That taught me a lot as a kid of just how to, you know, knock on people's doors. And obviously you get a lot of no's. And, yeah. How did you and, handle those no's? Um, I think I learned at a young age that there's always another door. And so a no is really not a problem. And the truth is it's over very quickly. When somebody says no to you, they don't usually stick around to say no a bunch more times. Once yeah. it's no, it's no. And you walk back down their driveway and you walk up the driveway next door and you ring, you know, you ring another nerve bell and that might be a yes. So I love um, that. Yeah. But at a young age, it really taught me the courage of, um, a, just asking and be happy, how to cold sell, like learning that at a young age is really helpful. Um, and three, you know, the passion I had for just being able to sell and constantly adding up how much money I had made and from all my little $2. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's all. Who influenced you? You mentioned your dad a bit. Who influenced you? Yeah, I mean, both my parents were just, I mean, I like, I owe them the world. Like, they're so incredibly supportive. And, um, you know, they really used to go with me as a young kid to fundraise. Like, they were never blowing me off. And my parents had a lot going on. My parents were entrepreneurs. So, my whole childhood and adolescence, my parents owned a vending company. So, oh. I for years watched my parents like, get up really early and stay up late and like work on this business they were building. And I watched it go from our garage to a larger warehouse to like throughout the County. So I was very aware of like how much I adored watching things be built. And secondly to that, I mean, there was times as a very young child that I was with them before school filling vending machines. So I was no, um, you know, I, I never had a moment that I was like turning a blind eye to, to work in a young age. It really taught me the value of the money. It was like, you know, yeah, like 75 cents an hour as a six-year-old, it was gold. I was rich. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Vending uh, machines. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I know something about you, about oh. your learning disability and I, oh, think- I- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Me and Rachel, we went to a museum with our friend Erica, hmm. and um, we were walking. Yeah, and um, she has a podcast too. She does fresh melanin. And fresh shout out to Erica, she got me these glasses. Oh, shout out to Erica! Amazing. So check out her podcast too, um, mm-hmm. Fresh Melanin. And um, me and Rachel, we were walking. We were, we were all walking through, and then we were just talking about like how I grew up and how she grew up and stuff like that. And um, I saw actually pictures of New York City and the fire, um, the fi- the you know the hydrants and the water exploding. I was like, oh my gosh, it reminds me of my childhood and stuff like that. And then we were just talking, and she was just Rachel was just like, oh, I have like trouble sometimes like reading and stuff. I'm like, what's going on? What do you mean? Like we text and like I'm like what? And just, and you want to say what you told me yeah um I mean I'm I'm like dyslexic which I absolutely love about myself I love 
being dyslexic, I love everything that comes, all of the gifts of dyslexia. And you had mentioned earlier, you know, what was school like as a young child? And mm-hmm. um, I always worked really, really hard in school because I knew that I could do better if I tried harder. But I also just knew like reading wasn't coming easy. Like spelling mm-hmm. is a nightmare. Spelling is still a nightmare. If you have ever received a text message from me, like, honestly, <laughs> okay. just on, call me. Like voice memo me. <laughs> all good. It's all good. Grammar- Grammarly on my computer is like my lifesaver, but yeah. um, I switched schools a lot as a child. So I kindergarten, first and second, I went to public, third, fourth, okay. and fifth, I was homeschooled, which we'll get into. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sixth grade, I was back in public. Seventh and eighth, I went to private school. Mm-hmm. Ninth, tenth, and eleventh, I went back to public. And then I went to college my senior year. So I went to college two weeks after I turned 17, which we can move back to. But Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So that said, not to hit the punchline now, but there is nothing anybody can tell you about your own intelligence that has the power to hold you back. The power yeah. is in your own intelligence and you just yeah. need to tap into what your gifts are yeah. and listen to your strengths and follow them and have really core people around you to in- empower you and encourage you because there are so many systems built in our world that are going to tell you whatever about you that you struggle with that you're dumb or you're not going to make it or you're bad at school or you can't read or like whatever it is. So um, I was really lucky. My parents recognized at a super young age that I was dyslexic. They were like, oh, this kid is like, huh, like <laughs> her spelling tests are like average, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> and right. Okay. Um, and but you know, they caught it. They caught it early. That's they, the they, the parents. They saw mm-hmm. your work. That's yeah. how they figured it out. Yeah, my parents have always had my back, and my mom just started doing a lot of reading. And she read this book called The Gift of Dyslexia, which I would highly recommend oh. for anybody who is parenting a young child that's dyslexic, who's like maybe really struggling. Um, and then my mom and both my parents spent years. I would come back, and I, you know. It is like public school is like tough on anybody who doesn't learn a very specific way, which is a bummer, but it is what it is. And, you know, I'd come home and I'd be in second grade and I'd be like really bummed out because, yeah, I don't know, my teacher said something that made me feel like I wasn't, you know, going to be in like a smarter reading group or whatever. Mm-hmm. and they would just so many times they'd sit down and they'd be like Rachel but your brain works like this like can you do something really spatial like do you want to do something yeah. really creative yeah um, do you want to build something really outside the box mm-hmm. and that's everything because they constantly showed me what I was so much better at than the other kids and then they gave that focus yeah um, and eventually I just had a bad teacher in second grade and they were like uh-huh. we're gonna homeschool you and um and they did which is in, again insane because my parents owned this business that they were trying to get off the ground at the time it was young and um, to give extra time to homeschool your kid is insane they pulled my sister at the same time we were homeschooled together so which my sister is extremely academic my sister is the opposite of dyslexic (laughs) but because you got pulled out then they decided to pull her out too I think she wanted to, you know, we had a lot of friends in co-op groups. Homeschooling is a very big thing in Lancaster. It was a very fun experience. Okay. Yeah, it was super special. You know, I basically spent three years with my big sister and, you know, her best friend. So it was, it was so special, but my parents really went the extra mile to make sure that I learned the way that I needed to learn. And that was so formative. Yeah. And it's so interesting because so many kids were with COVID, Zoom happened and then kids started to be homeschooled, but virtual learning which was different, but they were still at home learning. But 
here you were with dyslexia and you didn't let anything stop you. And then you ended up having a challenging teacher. And now you, then you had great teachers who were like, let's focus on what the other gifts are. Facial stuff and your creativity. And look at you now. That's awesome. Ta-da. Ta-da. That's just so awesome. (laughs) Oh my goodness. How did you encourage? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, I, I took extra classes for years though. Like even like in middle school, you know, I took extra classes and special classes and all the things. So, yeah. and it's such a, it's such a good thing. So anybody who's in that, I encourage everybody in every season of life, take extra classes in any area that you want to, you know, taking extra classes. Is that how you ended up um, graduating earlier when and no. going to college earlier? <laughs> That's another story. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So by the time I was in high school, I decided that I was going to start cooking every day and I was going to be great at it. Okay. So every day I came home and I started to cook. And at first, I remember the very first meal I made, I made pork chops and microwave frozen green beans. And my mom was stoked because my mom hates to cook. And um, that developed ninth through 11th grade. And at that point, I knew that I really wanted to go to culinary school. So I did my research and I found the best schools in the United States. And one of them is Johnson and Wales. And as I continue to do my research, I realized that Johnson and Wales has a program that lets you come early if you dual enroll your senior year of high school with your freshman year of college. And when you do that, you mm-hmm. get 50% off tuition. So it was going to save me like $13,000. Wow. And um, the only the only credit I needed to graduate high school was one English course. So Long story short, the public school was like, we don't want to be liable for you. You can't go. And so my, my family being my family was like, that's no problem. We don't care. I went to like the school board. I made a presentation. I was like 15 years old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. And you no, know, we, you can't be liable, you know? And so my parents were like, yes, no problem. So they, they unenrolled me from public school. They enrolled me as a homeschooler. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Providence, Rhode Island, two weeks after I turned 17 and I logged my one English class. And then at the end of my freshman year of college, I came home and I graduated and walked across the stage with a bunch of homeschoolers. So, oh my goodness. That's how I, that want to, I want to applaud you. Applaud <laughs> my mom. She's the one who made that happen. But I love that tenacity. I love that when people told you no, that we're supposed to support you. You were like, no, I'm going to keep. And at 15, you presented. That's great, Rachel. You that's really a blessing that you have parents that, you know, supported those type of things. And you can, you can sit here and talk about it with a smile and look back and like, wow, I'm thankful for that. You could have had it get you down. What do you do for mental health issues, like self-care and stuff like that? When you do get the nose and you do feel like put down and, and, and doors are closing, what do you do specifically for that? Yeah, that's such a good question. I absolutely love that question, Trisha. Um, you know, two weeks ago, I was in a spot where I was like having some tough days, probably the toughest two weeks of my year. And so I was really thinking about the question that you just asked. I was like, all right, Rachel, you're not feeling good. What's the move? Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, starting a business, the larger the business gets, the larger the obstacles get. And there's yeah. days that that feels really crushing. Yeah. I hit that specific wall. Yeah. And I was grateful because I realized two things. One of which in the past couple of years, I've worked a lot on my mental health and I have put even like subconsciously put safety nets in my life to catch me so that I don't 
like hit depression or hit deep anxiety or anything yeah. like self-loathing, all the things, uh-huh. right? Where it's like so easy to be so hard on yourself. And um, so I have layers of that. A, I have about seven people that are super core in my life. Like that includes my parents that um, at any given moment, I, A, I commit to being really vulnerable with. So if I do get depressed, I have to tell somebody, like mm-hmm. I, have, um, I have to tell someone or yeah. a, like any of those things. Yes. Um, and uh, like B, B, like I have to spend time reaching out with them consistently until I bounce back. So, so I did that. Mm-hmm. And then um, secondly is I work out a lot. Um, I'm at, yeah, I'm at the gym five, if not six days a week, but I take a Sabbath. I really believe in the Sabbath. Yeah. And right now I'm running a pretty massive amount. So um, I'll do my first marathon next year, which is exciting. Oh, congratulations. I, which one are you doing? Um, I mean, I'm trying to get into the New York City marathon, obviously. Yeah. If I, get selected, I had a feeling it was going to be that one. Yeah. Dream. Yeah. That's dream for runners. Yeah. But um, exercise helps my mental health so much. Like if I'm in a bad place, I go to the gym and every time I have a thought, I have to add, I have to add a rep. Yeah, I can feel my body releasing the endorphins and the serotonin, you know, Um, and I also give myself extra grace to sleep a little bit more because your body body really heals when it sleeps. Very good. Yep. So I always make sure on days that I'm feeling bad that um, I'm sleeping eight hours. I'm eating three hot meals a day, specifically hot, and I've taken a hot shower. Very good. I love those. I love those. So contact someone when you're about to, when you're feeling depressed or feeling low, mm-hmm. one of your VIPs in your circle, very yeah. important people, I call them VIPs, very important people. These are your people that you can trust. You can be vulnerable with. You do that. Um, then you work out a lot, you mm-hmm. rest and um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's so good. And it's smart to do that, especially being in New York city and, and being an entrepreneur like yourself. You know, you definitely do a lot of self-care. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lots of self-care. I'm glad I'm glad you're here talking about mental health. You know, how did you um, start off with food and courage and getting into and if you can explain everything about it, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love to give you my two minute pitch, Trisha. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Um, So. Food encourages company that helps end sex trafficking. We specifically sell shaved chocolate chunk cookies that are gluten-free, dairy-free, and made with all natural sugars. So they're super helpful to your body and they're helpful to like what's happening in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, we include encouraging notes in all of our packaging because, you know, as we're talking about health, we know that even like a simple encouraging word when we read it, whether we decide that we like the note or not, your body, like your brain will release endorphins as it receives something encouraging. That's right. Um, We sell online and we sell in bulk. So we sell um, our cookies packaged in packs of 10 and our really gorgeous executive gifting. So um, we do like much larger orders or you can just buy a couple off of our website at foodencourage.com to have our delicious mind-blowing cookies. And uh, yeah, like you said, we donate 10% of proceeds yeah. to help end human trafficking to um, organization that really practically approaches uh, what sex trafficking is in America today. Yes. Um, um, yeah, definitely That's go so buy awesome. some cookies. Yes, for sure. Well, so go to foodencourage.com, right? Mm -hmm. And they can order their cookies. I'd love for you to give tips because on on sex trafficking, like what should people look out for? Like I hear stories about 
oh, on, on planes, like an air flight attendant thought someone was being sex trafficked or like slipped a, a girl slipped a note to someone um, on a plane. Can you give tips? Do you, do you have any tips on like what people can look out for mm-hmm. if, if they think someone is being self-tra- self-trafficked? Do you have any tips of what we can look out for? Yeah, you know, truth be told, it can be a hard thing to look for and it can be, you know, exhausting to look for like something that's really hard to think about all the time and so I just really want to recognize that first yeah. it's not an easy topic it is a really devastating thing it's an industry yeah. that grows year over year um, and I think the best thing that we can do at all times is just be super aware of our surroundings mm-hmm. so in our modern day age you know it's really easy to just be on our phones or be distracted or be listening to music but the more we are just so aware of what's happening around us like you'll pick up on you'll pick up on, on little cues no matter what. And usually that's, you know, a, a usually an extremely over controlling person, somebody, yeah, somebody who like maybe isn't speaking at all and is just being told what to do all the time. And um, it's kind of a hard thing to pinpoint, but if you're being trafficked, there's, um, you, you're going to, be able to see it in the person's face a little bit, you know, they're not going to be like smiling and laughing and, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a a different experience. So ultimately you look for somebody who looks like they're being controlled and is not in control of their own life actions or like has their own freedoms. Um, To be aware and and get our faces away from technology for a bit. If we're in traveling or public areas, that sort of thing, even rest stops and and stuff like that. If you're driving, you can pick up on things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. what got you into that like what made you want to be part yeah. of this passion so mm-hmm. to, to give it's a really good question so when I was 13 I found out what sex trafficking was and to be fair I had a very sheltered safe loving childhood and I'm forever grateful for that and you know you learn in school that like slavery has been abolished completely right like oh yeah but like whatever like when you're super young and obviously that's like a whole different thing but you know I learned facts that I learned facts that just blew my mind the world is so much more golden when you're so young right so I'm I'm 13 at this point Mm -hmm. and um Lancaster County and I started I first of all I learned what it was and I was like mind blown and I was like okay like where like it's small and it's a super horrible thing that happens really far away and you know I just started learning a lot more and I started watching documentaries and I did my very first uh, a21 walk when I was 13 years old and I I learned that you know slavery is more alive today than it was in William Wilberforce's time and you know the people being tracked year over year grows dramatically and just thing time and time again again and I think as a 13 year old it just hit home in such a powerful way. And I have not lost that for a second. Like, I don't forget about it. I don't lose passion about it. It doesn't slip to the back of my mind. Like I very regularly in my life have pieces of paper on my doorway that say things like I'm going to create a company that's like going to abolish sex trafficking in the world. You know, I love that. Say that again. Yeah. Again. It's so good. You have you have to like say these things out loud, right? Because it like 
pushes on a door. Yeah. Like it pushes on a door in the spiritual and the physical, the emotional, the mental. But yeah, that like I would own a company that could obliterate sex trafficking in the world. And I'm so young. Like mm-hmm. if I worked so hard at this for the rest of my life, do you imagine the impact that we could have? Like if I really gave it everything, like if I kept building company okay. that from all different angles, like attacked the root issue of what it is. Like if I really gave it my prayers, like yeah, it's so many things. So to answer your question in, in a shorter bit, I, I think I also had this super powerful moment where I realized that there was not necessarily any reason that it wasn't happening to me. I was, you know, for a very long time, the age of the average specifically young girl who's getting trafficked. And I just had these insane moments where I realized, you know, that I have everything. And if I was in her shoes, I would want somebody like me to do my very best on the other side to get her out because, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely hell. So that's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. Moving to bigger cities had an impact, but for sure. Yeah. For sure. And and some, you know, I brought that up because this a lot of Caribbean people watch this podcast. My parents are from Trinidad. Yeah. Um, yeah, Trinidad and the West Indies. So um I get a lot of people reaching out and stuff saying saying really kind things, but this is a topic that they a lot of people don't talk about in the Caribbean. Okay. Sex trafficking. There's girls that are missing. There's sometimes men who are missing. Um and and it's not talked about. It's like they're just gone. And um sex trafficking is happening there and it's just not getting enough press to be honest with you and to see you doing something like this and that this hit you so hard at 13 years old that is just so awesome and it's going to impact so many people I just love it and I love that you wrote it down it's the power of writing something like that down it brings it to life yep your passion project and it's not just for you it's for other people too it's huge you have to write your dreams down you have to if you don't write them down I think there's something like a 90 percent chance Yes. they will happen like, I completely agree with you completely <laughs> I have I for years I've had book of dreams and I wrote things down of my what I wanted to do and I've and every time I accomplish something I check it off you think it happened overnight like you no it doesn't happen overnight you know like I mean not that it happened overnight with you that's, that's <laughs> what I meant oh yeah no <laughs> I you you worked really hard to get you worked really really hard to get to this point you know <laughs> And you're still working hard. So, but you wrote it down because you knew it was, you didn't know how, but it was going to happen. And it is happening. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I received that. Thank you. That was so Yes. Funny. I love that. Rachel always says, I receive that and I cancel that. <laughs> I don't, don't think I can't. Rachel anything negative. I, no, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't say I cancel that. I say I receive I like, that. And yeah, then I yeah. say, I don't receive that. Oh, I thought you said I canceled that. Maybe, maybe not. My bad. I say I don't receive it. No, no, it's totally fine. So but I, don't, I don't receive that. Right. Yeah. We're so that. powerful. And yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard. We're like, we're not taught how to like receive the love and the compliments that people try to give us. And I think that actually really hurts us. And yeah. we were able to pick up the value of people's words, the way that, you know, you could pick up money it's like how much richer would we be if we constantly picked up the pe- the value of people's words. Absolutely. So sometimes, yeah. So sometimes saying something as simple as I receive that, you know, you said all those loving things to me right now, like, <laughs> and I could just be like, Oh yeah. Like no worries. Thanks. No, like, no. Rece- sit there and like, I receive that. that. Like that's kind. Like I'm going to let that come on to me. I'm going to yes. that. impact and change my day because you know why it impacts my mental health. 
Yeah. And it trains my brain that like, I'm worth all the things that you just said. Of course. And on the flip side, people in life are going to say things to you that like, just yeah. like, aren't great. and it's no big deal. And don't say it meanly, but sometimes people are, you know, or like somebody will swear at me or something. And I'll just be like, oh, <laughs> I don't receive that. And then I just like move on. And it's a super like loving way to like gloss over something. I think it's really, it can be really tactful. So pro tip, receive powerful things that are said over you and physically. Absolutely. I love that. People need to, when people give you a compliment and do exactly what Rachel said, you sit there and you take it. And if you want to say out loud, like what she says, I receive that, receive it. Mm-hmm. I tell my patients too that I work with, I'm like, you're doing a great job. I'm like, no, listen, you're doing a great job. Sit with that and feel it, you know? And, and they do. It's like, it's really hard for some people to accept that, but that's so powerful. Most people, it's taught to us at a young yes. age. It's like, yeah. It's true. It's true. Um, any advice on creatives like yourself um, who want to make it or get into what you're doing as well? Do you have any advice for them? Because I'm sure there's so many parents that are listening right now, even people who have dyslexia and stuff, mm-hmm. who are going to find this so inspirational mm-hmm. that it's just going to blow. I, I think it's going to impact a lot of a lot of kids and stuff like that. So, yeah. Any That's advice? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So my number one thing is to be patient and kind with yourself Uh, I think you said it really well earlier when nothing is an overnight success and it's not Mm -hmm. so be patient with yourself be kind to yourself it's not going to come in a day you're going to do things poorly you're going to make a lot of mistakes it's going to cost you time money energy yeah patient be kind Um, secondly it's really important to know your why it's really, really important. You won't quit if you know why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is for most people, that's not money. Mm-hmm. It is a deeper emotional involvement. So for me, I know if I sell a certain amount of tubes that I can like get a kid out of sex trafficking. So I know I'm not going to quit because I've officially built a system yeah. where if I can achieve sales, I can get kids out of sex trafficking so it's your why but for years I mean I I think Trisha knows like I'm I'm five years into this company of like before and after my day job hustling and and it's those early mornings where like you're not going to turn a profit that week you might not land a new client like Mm. you know you're going to impact some people it's going to be a small amount of people are their lives changed forever probably not um but I have that piece of paper on my door that says today I'm going to build a company that's going to help end sex trafficking. And it's, it's those days that build your company. And it's those days that really, really more importantly will build your character to be somebody who runs a really successful company, which is a much bigger topic, but I believe that's like how you become successful in a much bigger way as you become a person who does that. It's those habits, it's those character traits. So um agree kind to yourself grace know your why it's just so important and build habits of the person that you want to be exactly I love those I love those Rachel I love it what would you like people to remember about you from years and years to come great question um I want people to remember my courage 
-hmm. Yeah. And that's my biggest one. There could be a lot of others, but at the end of the day, like I want, I want people to remember my courage and I want my courage to have made an impact. I want it to have saved little kids' lives. I want it to have influenced the culture in America and a society of like what we happen, let happen in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, I want that to be how I handle my relationships and the people that I love really well of just choosing to be vulnerable and go the extra mile. Um, yeah, in every single area of my life, courage that I didn't quit so easy I'll bet you didn't quit keep so going to start again <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness Rachel so everyone can go to foodencourage.com mm-hmm. and if they want to get in contact with you what's the best way through that site too or do you yeah. have- mm-hmm. so there's a contact page there's an email address there you better believe I'm the person on the other side of it <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it um Rachel it's a pleasure Rachel Bieber Um, (laughs) also follow us on Instagram at fooding oh yes what's your Instagram make so many big announcements but we're currently live for pre-sale starting February 1st so awesome follow us on Instagram we have big launches coming and that's at food and courage oh my gosh this is so amazing I just want to thank Rachel so much for coming on you're amazing you're like you're such an inspiration in so many different ways. I can't wait to see what happens. I feel very privileged being your friend. You're amazing. And I'd like every thank everyone for listening um, to the Core Behavioral Psychologist. My name is Dr. Trisha Rampress, and I'll see you guys next time. Oh, and it's the end of the year. So this is the end of 2021. This is my last episode for this year. So I'll see you guys next year, okay? Oh, yes, Rach. I ended it with the best. That's right. <laughs> You're the best, Trisha. I'm so grateful for the space that you've created on this podcast. Thank you for having me. What you've created is really powerful and you're so beautiful. Such a beautiful oh, You're soldier. beautiful. You're, you're gorgeous. Thank you. You're a gorgeous person inside and out. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye, Rach. Bye.